Today's reading comes from Colossians 4, 2 to 18. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door to our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know the answer, how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and a fellow servant of the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know that our our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dear brother, who was one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers in the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always resting in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for all of you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brother at, brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read to the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. God be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ashley. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, last section in the book of Colossians, and we uh, thank you for our time in this letter so far. And we pray now uh, for your help, uh, particularly as we think about how we relate to uh, people who don't know you in this world. Uh, Please give us wisdom, uh, give us understanding, uh, help us to uh, live live in a way that um, reflects uh, who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, a couple of years ago, I did an escape room with some friends. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, it's, it's basically a room where you're locked in and you need to find clues to break out. And at one point, uh, there was a door with a keypad on it. And we found a, a security card with a with a PIN number written across it. So we, we set about trying to kind of type it in. Uh, but after much frustration at, at not being able to open the door, we used the security card to Jimmy open the lock. And we were quite proud of ourselves. It was, it was very satisfying. Uh, but at the end, 
they told us that all you needed to do to open the door was to hold the security card above the keypad and it would unlock the door automatically. Uh, when it comes to opening doors, sometimes we can miss the most important thing. And you could say that about our passage today. Uh, Paul wants God to open doors for the message of the gospel. And the most important thing that the Colossians can be doing to open these doors is be praying, asking God to open the right doors. Their prayers are important, but can easily be taken for granted. As we heard uh, earlier, it's, it's Palm Sunday, and as, as Jesus approaches Jerusalem, uh, he knew what God was about to do. As he headed to the cross, he knew that God was about to open a door. Not just any door, but the door that would allow us to be at peace with him. To no longer have the threat of his judgment hanging over us for all the ways that we've wronged him. Jesus knew that that was about to happen. Now fast forward uh, from that point 30 years on and we see God has continued to open doors. The Colossians, a, a group of Gentiles, that means people who weren't Jews, have come to know the good news of the gospel. And they found new life in the person of Christ. They've been transformed. And this letter that Paul has written has been an encouragement to them to keep going, to live out their new identity in Christ. God has done an amazing work in their lives. And in this letter, Paul wants God to continue doing that work in them. His desire is for the Colossians to live, lives in a, live their lives in a way that pleases God and to continue in Christ. So he's been helping them to see what it means in, in, in their different areas of life. Uh, in the way they think about, uh, in the way they thank God for what he's done, uh, in the way they assess and, and navigate the ways of this world, in the way they interact with their Christian community, in the way they live at home, and also in the workplace. And today he helps them to see how to live in a world that is full of unbelievers. A situ situation that Christians today also uh, find themselves in. If you look at the census here in New Zealand over the years, uh, in 2001, 58% of New Zealanders called themselves Christians. In 2018, that number dropped to 37%. Now, you and I both know that in reality, it's, it's probably a much lower percentage who trust in Jesus. We live in a country that's increasingly unaware of what the message of Christianity is. And so this final part of the letter of Colossians is a great help to us. Uh, as we look at these final verses, there are two things in particular which stand out as being important. One, uh, communicating the gospel to others. And two, partnering in the gospel with others. Now, uh, a common thread with, with both of those two things is the need for prayer. Uh, and that's where Paul goes first. Uh, if you look at verse 2 with me. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. I think this is one of the most difficult disciplines in the Christian life, and I'm sure uh, most of you will agree with me. But I also think one of the reasons it's so difficult uh, is because prayer is actually effective. John Chrysostom in the 4th century was the one who said, The devil knows, yes he knows, how great a good prayer is. I'm sure Satan loves it when we struggle to pray. 
because he knows that it's effective. He loves seeing us get sidetracked by our devices or by our thoughts. Devotion to prayer is is difficult. We know that good things in life don't come easily, but Paul's desire here is, is something that's achievable. Now, a number of us will find it hard to add things to our already packed lives, but the implication of this is you can lead a busy life and still be devoted to prayer. There's something to be said for the persistent prayer of God's people. And it ties together, uh, it ties the two parts of the passage together today. Uh, so why don't we take a look at the, the first thing that stands out, and that is the importance of communicating the gospel message to others. Paul's outlook in these last verses is quite special. Here is a man who is imprisoned, not asking for prayer about being set free, but about the current opportunities God is giving him to share the gospel. He's not waiting for the perfect circumstances for all the stars to align. He asks them to pray that in the situation that he is in, God would open up the opportunities for the gospel of Christ to be proclaimed. Uh, And I believe that's a great challenge for God's people today. Many of us can spend our lives waiting for some perfect opportunity to speak about our faith when, when everything kind of goes to plan. But that won't necessarily happen. Paul recognizes where God has got him, and he asks for God to open the doors for the gospel there, even though he's in chains because of it. And this is a great lesson for us. Recognize where God has you and pray for uh, for doors to open for the message of the gospel. Don't spend your life waiting for things to change before you ask. Uh, It's worth thinking about that and and how that might apply uh, in each of our own lives. Now, another uh, another reason that Paul wants prayer is that uh, so when he gets the opportunity to proclaim the gospel, he would do it clearly. When it comes to the message of the gospel, this is something we uh, can't stress enough. There's an old saying which you may have heard, uh, mist in the pulpit, fog in the pews. And it's essentially saying, If you're not clear on on what you're saying, it's going to be even more unclear for those who are listening. And I think it's something that can apply to us all in the Christian life. If we're not clear and and thoughtful about the message of the gospel and how to teach it in our ever-changing context, then others are going to be even more confused when we try and share the good news with them. Uh, Some people develop an ability to, to teach God's word over time, and we want to continue raising up men and women who, who do that faithfully, whether it's preaching or, or teaching uh, the children's ministry or leading a Bible study or, or any other type of ministry. We want to equip and, uh, people to grow uh, this gift of proclaiming the gospel message clearly. Now, verses 5 and 6 are, are what Paul wants for the whole Colossian church. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. The Colossians are now representing Christ. Whenever they interact with someone, they're doing it as those who bear Jesus' name. And so they need wisdom. They will need to be wise regarding what they say, uh, but often behavior is also important. Uh, When people realize we follow Jesus, you can be sure they'll, they'll notice what that means in our lives. Is it just a Sunday thing? 
Is it something that we just keep to ourselves? It's, it's too personal to share. Or is it something that shapes our whole life? People notice. The question for us is, what will they notice? Now another thing that Paul says is make the most of every opportunity. Uh, I'm sure many of us will have had experiences where we think back and we realize we've, we've missed a chance to share something of our faith with others. Uh, and it can be really disappointing uh, when, when we have those experiences, can't it? Uh, and I think this ties closely with prayerfulness. Because when we're praying for the gospel to impact people's lives, we're, we're more likely to be looking out for God to answer our prayer as well. Now, the next thing Paul says is our conversation should be gracious. I think there's an element of respect intended here. Recognize that, that people have different backgrounds and, and journeys to this point, and for some, the gospel is going to be very new to them. For others, they may have already had interactions with Christians in the past, and that's probably shaped some of their thinking. Let's be gracious and understanding uh, when we speak with others. Now, the flip side of that, for some of us, we can be too gracious, too careful to, to risk offending non-believers that we never say anything about our faith. Now, I'm sure you'll be able to, to work out where your weakness lies at, at different times. Uh, I can think of times where I need to be more gracious in my conversations and, and other times where I'm shying away from speaking about my faith and, and I shouldn't. Uh, and, and different situations will require different responses. And that's part of the reason that, that wisdom is required. Now, the next thing Paul says, be salty. Uh, and I need to qualify this because since Paul wrote this letter, the word salty has been hijacked. Uh, if someone describes a person as salty these days, they probably mean they, they get upset over small things that they shouldn't be getting upset about. And I think it's safe to say that's quite different from what Paul has in mind. He uses salt in a positive way. Salt preserves food. Salt gives life to a meal. Uh, it adds taste to it. And in the Gospels, Jesus talks about salt when he's teaching his disciples about their witness to the world. And Paul does a similar thing here. Just as salt isn't bland, neither should our speech be in general or, or when we're talking about our faith. Knowing the greatest news that, that we know deserves a bit of enthusiasm. Uh, or excitement, or passion. Uh, imagine telling someone you're expecting your first child, or, or you've just won a great award, or, or some other great news with, with no passion whatsoever. Uh, it would seem very strange to us, wouldn't it? Imagine telling people about your faith in a similar way. I know there can be a, a nervousness when we tell others about our faith, but we should at the very least be thoughtful about how we come across uh, when we speak about our faith. Now the other thing about salt is that it makes you thirsty. Uh, and when we speak, we should speak in a way that leaves people wanting more. At times that might mean speaking in a way that's thought-provoking or challenging. Again, you see why prayer can be so important. We don't want to unnecessarily provoke people. When people ask the Colossians about why they live the way they do or or what it is they do every time that they meet together, Paul wants them to be able to answer. And that's another assumption here. The way that we live our lives will lead to others asking questions. And we need to be prepared to give 
gracious, salty answers. Uh, people will often ask us what we've been doing, what we did on the weekend. H- how do you answer those kind of questions? So that's the, the first thing that stands out, the, the importance of communicating the gospel to others. Uh, which brings us to the second thing, the importance of partnership in the gospel with others. In the rest of this passage, Paul jumps around a lot. Uh, he mentions a number of names, I think 11 different people. And on the one hand, uh, there's nothing special about that because that's often what people will do when they're writing to someone. They'll, they'll mention the names of people they care about. Paul mentions uh, Tychicus and Onesimus, who, who are probably the ones who delivered this letter uh, to the Colossians. And Paul sends them with a specific purpose, to encourage the Colossians' hearts. And he mentions Aristarchus and Mark, probably, uh, probably the same Mark who wrote Mark's gospel, and they seem to be the ones who are in prison with Paul. But there's also this great picture of gospel partnership throughout these last verses. People in different places, but they're working towards the same goal in many ways. They want to see God's kingdom grow. And again, prayer is the thing that threads these things together. Paul and his fellow workers need the prayers of the Colossians, and the Colossians will no doubt be encouraged by the prayers that Paul and others are praying for them. And if we jump to verse 12, we see another example of this. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God and uh, mature and fully assured. Epaphras was mentioned back in chapter 1 as the man who shared the gospel with the Colossians. He's now ministering elsewhere, but his love and uh, his care and concern for the Colossians still remains. Uh, You'll have noticed Epaphras is wrestling in prayer. This is a man who clearly had a successful ministry, but he also feels this ongoing struggle of prayer. And the contents of his prayer for them do a wonderful job of of summarizing this whole letter. Stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. Now in verse 13, uh, Paul also mentions believers in two other places, Laodicea and Herapolis. Verse 14, he mentions Luke the doctor, probably the, the one who wrote Luke's gospel as well. And then he mentions this guy, Demas. Now, it's likely this is the same Demas who who Paul mentions in his second letter to Timothy. Uh, And by that stage, he's actually mentioned in a a bad light. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 10 says this, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Prayer and and mutual encouragement and gospel partnership is important. Uh, I heard of a missionary some years ago who served overseas for a number of years, but over time he became quite discouraged. Uh, He he felt like he had very little support, and to many, the the ministry that he was doing seemed to come to quite an abrupt end. But this was definitely a a gradual drifting away. It was a complicated situation, uh, but I can't help but feel that a lack of mutual encouragement was, was part of the reason for the discouragement that this missionary faced. Now, we partner with a number of people as a church, uh, Cam and Gracie in Dunedin, Joe, uh, the Ballingers and the Sinclairs in Japan, the Cars working with people in PNG, uh, the Dunbars who are, who are with us, but uh, working with people in Cambodia. What does it look like 
on our end to mutually encourage them in their gospel work. It might be as simple as sending an email uh, to share how we're being encouraged by God. It might be sharing about how we're praying for them, praying for God to open doors for the work that they're doing. It might be asking them uh, to pray for our own personal witness to non-believers in our lives. It could be as as simple as as hitting reply and and engaging uh, with their updates when they send them out. This kind of mutual encouragement is something that God uh, God uses to help his people continue on in Christ. Now imagine when uh, Tychicus and Onesimus arrived in Colossae and and finally uh, delivered this letter and read it to them. My guess is that the Colossians would have felt quite challenged by by the body of the letter. But imagine when he he got to these final encouragements at the end. I have no doubt for many uh, this would have strengthened them to keep on persevering in the Lord. To hear there are others out there who are faithfully living for Christ and upholding them in prayer. Uh, And sometimes we need that kind of encouragement to keep going. The gospel transforms our our individualistic thinking. It's not just me, uh, not just my group of friends, not even just my church. Those are important things, but we're part of a body of believers. Uh, One day we will be with God's people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. Remember God's global purposes for the gospel. Now, as we close uh, this, this series in Colossians, it's Palm Sunday, uh, the day we remember Jesus going to Jerusalem to do what no one else could, to open that door. The same door that allowed the Colossians life in his name, the same door that allows you and I uh, that same life in his name. As we close, let us pray that God would open doors for the message of the gospel. For the people in our lives who, who don't know him, for the people in the lives of those who we're partnering with. Uh, May we encourage and and be encouraged by them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you so much for uh, the message of the gospel that uh, we have heard, uh, that we've come uh, to believe. Uh, And we want to thank you for for opening the door uh, all those years ago. Father, we pray uh, for the people in our lives who don't yet uh, know you. Lord, please would you help us to be prayerful on their behalf. Father, please would you open their eyes and their hearts uh, to come to see the truth of who you are. We also pray for for those who we are partnering with. Uh, We pray that you'd help us to, to be prayerful on their behalf as well. Father, please would you use your gospel uh, to draw people to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.